She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season three. Episode eight. Oubliette. This episode originally aired on Friday, November 17th, 1995. It was written by Charles Grant Craig, and it was directed by Kim Manners. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and had a viewership of 15.9 million, which is basically almost exactly the same as the last episode. It's just down 10,000 viewers. So pretty good, consistent numbers. And those numbers are extrapolated anyway, so they don't really... Right, yeah. Yeah. They don't really mean anything, but... No, they don't really mean anything. Nothing means anything. (laughs) We're getting nihilistic at the beginning. This will be good. This is going to be good. (laughs) Anyway, so in this episode... At the same time that a young girl is kidnapped, a woman has a strange seizure and repeats the kidnapper's words over and over. Mulder believes that she may have a psychic connection to the now missing girl and can help to find her. But everyone else thinks that she may be helping the kidnapper. Ooh. Yep. So... We're at Valley Woods High School in Seattle, Washington. Woo, Seattle. Yep. We see a young student, Amy Jacobs, is having her photo taken on school picture day. And afterwards, she heads over to the table to fill out the address card. And the photographer tells his assistant, Carl, that he needs a reload on the film. But Carl is staring at Amy, not paying attention to his job. And the photographer calls his name again. And Carl's like, oh, sorry, I haven't reloaded the film yet. The photographer like snaps at him and is like, why did you even come to work today if you're not going to do your job? And then in a dark room, we see Carl and he's stroking a photo of Amy Jacobs. Ew. Ew. And then he uses an exacto knife to cut out her image. So like, you know, cuts out like her silhouette kind of thing from the image. And then he places it next to a similarly cut out silhouette of himself. And they're side by side. And then he puts them like in a little on a little rack kind of thing. And then he steps back. And I actually wasn't sure what was going on in this scene because he's in the dark room and it's still dark. But then we see like all these flashes. And I guess he has like a special like night lens or something because he's taking photos of the photo of them together. Because we see all these flashes. So he's taking photos. I didn't understand that part, but I guess he's doing that later. So it makes more sense. And then it's 10.05 p.m. and Amy is asleep in her bed. Carl comes in through the window and stands over her and she wakes up. And then, boom, he puts a hand over her mouth and tells her, nobody's going to spoil us. And then her younger sister is also in bed and hears something and looks up and she sees Carl going out the window. And then I think she imagines sees that like her sister is like gone. And then she screams for their mom. And then we cut to another location and we see people like filling pictures of like soda and stuff. And a woman, Lucy, is filling them from the fountain behind the counter. And I guess we're like at a fast food restaurant. And her coworker, Rosa, admonishes her to hurry up. And then she pushes Lucy out of the way and tells her these are regular size and they ordered large. So she, not only is she slow, but apparently she's not doing a good job. And then her coworker turns around and we see Lucy and Lucy has like blood just like gushing down her face mm-hmm. and it's all going down her shirt. And then she's like, what's wrong? And Lucy doesn't realize this. And then she touches the blood and then she falls to the ground and is 
sort of not really seizing but kind of like you know and she's like nobody's gonna spoil us nobody's gonna spoil us and then we see on the digital watch on her wrist that it's 10 5 p.m things are creepy creepy yeah it's very creepy it's creepy for a lot of reasons actually <laughs> amy jacobs is played by jewel state who was actually born on june 2nd 1982 meaning she was 13 when this is filmed so she's my age at the time she's actually like four days younger than me um she's most famous to me anyhow as playing kaylee who's the mechanic on firefly and obviously in the movie serenity which is the firefly movie she also had recurring roles on Stargate Atlantis, Wonderfalls, Family Law, and The Magicians. And she's appeared on episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which she was actually on before The X-Files, and Dead Like Me, and of course, she was on Supernatural. All of these things I have never seen. Yeah, Firefly is one of Joss Whedon's things that was pretty good. I mean, it's it has a lot of problems that people even pointed out at the time. But then got canceled by Fox and all they showed and, all the episodes then, out of order and yeah. and then they made the movie and then you know everyone's like we should bring it back. Although at this point no one wants to bring it back because no one wants Joss to do anything really. But <laughs> it was a big cult favorite. So if you were in the nerd culture at all, you definitely have at least seen the Firefly things, if not the show itself. Yeah. It's not that I don't know about these things, I've just never seen any of them. Yeah, which is yeah. Totally not fine. Totally stupid. <laughs> But Kaylee was great. And it was fun to see like a mechanic who was, I don't know, she was a great character. So, And Lucy Householder is played by Tracy Ellis, who will actually appear in one more episode of The X-Files in 2002. That's actually her final credit on IMDb. No. She seems to still be alive. It doesn't, but like, I don't think she's acting anymore. She's also appeared on Law and Order, ER, Star Trek Voyager, and she was also in the Crow City of Angels movie. And Kim Manners actually said he was really impressed with her during this episode and thought she did like a fantastic job. So, so then we're at the Jacobs residence and we see police dusting for prints and looking for evidence. And we see Mulder's car arrive and then he walks inside the home and he asks the cop for the agent in charge. And the cop's like, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? So Mulder flashes his badge, identifies himself. And the officer goes to let the agent in charge know that Mulder is here. So while he's waiting, Mulder heads down the hall and he goes into Amy Jacobs' bedroom. And both twin beds are still unmade, you know, exactly as they were left. And we see a woman standing there staring out the window. And Mulder realizes that this is Mrs. Jacobs. So he tells her that he's sorry about her daughter. And she's like, it's Amy's birthday on Tuesday. And Mulder assures her that they'll do everything they can to find her. And Miss Jacobs is just like, who could do such a thing? And he tries to say, like, he knows how she must feel. But she's just like, you couldn't possibly know and walks away because she doesn't want to hear it. And then Mulder notices two small drops of blood on the carpet. And so he bends down to examine them. Yeah, I get it. But also not the best move to be sharp with people who are there trying to help you. But I get like, you know, like you probably hear that kind of like, I know how you must feel. Ironically, yeah. Mulder actually does know how she I know, I know. So, yeah. It is one of, but she has no way of knowing that. And I'm sure everyone there this morning has been like, I know how you must feel. I know how hard this yeah. must be. And it's like, you don't. My daughter's gone. Like, how could you know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure I mean, we just came off another episode where someone was doing that same thing about, you don't know how I feel. So it seems <laughs> like it's stronger in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
So then Agent Eubanks comes into the room and he tells Mulder that Amy's little sister said that Amy got a nosebleed when the killer put a hand over her mouth. And so they're running the blood anyway, just to make sure it's actually hers. But that's where they think the droplets came from. So he did notice them. They're not just sitting there unnoticed. <laughs> like so many times when Mulder walks in and he's the only one who sees evidence, this is not the case here. So Eubanks puts out a hand and introduces himself as Walt Eubanks. And Mulder asks if they have any leads on a suspect. And Eubanks says the sister gave a vague description and they got some hair and fibers, but the killer didn't leave any prints. And Mulder asks if the neighbors saw anything, but nobody did. Eubanks believes it was someone who knew Amy, but Mulder actually thinks it's the opposite or he wouldn't have been so bold. And Eubanks pretty much tells them they're chasing their tails. They don't really know. And so then Mulder asks about the woman at the fast food restaurant. And Eubanks is like, oh, you heard about that? And Mulder tells him that's actually why he came down here. And then he asks if he can interview the woman. And Eubanks is like, sure, go ahead. That'll save me the time. Yeah. So he's not like, you know, hey, you're moving in on my case. He's actually like, sure. I, you know, yeah. He's time, like, whatever. go ahead. I don't even that's want to good. bother with it. That's a, that's a nice divergence of like, you know, Mulder and Scully showing up on something. And people are like, what are you doing here? So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, what, one thing that I noticed in this scene that I didn't get from the teaser the teaser, it seemed like the bedroom, like the way they framed it when the guy was coming into the bedroom, it seemed like the bedroom was on the second floor. Yeah, like, I thought so too. Do? Like fly up there? Like is he a vampire? What is he doing? But then in this scene, we see the mother and Mulder looking out the window and it's definitely on the first floor. Right. Well, so, he goes past the stairs to get into it. So it's definitely a first floor bedroom. Yeah. Like we see him walk past the staircase. So Yeah. So, but yeah, the way they cut it in the teaser, it looked like it was a second story. So, but anyway, yeah, so it's the first story. So the dude could get in and out the window easy. So then we're at University Medical Center in Seattle, Washington, and it's 10.31 a.m. And Mulder is standing at the nurse station, and then Scully arrives. And Mulder thought she missed her flight. And Scully says she was delayed. She tried to call him on his cell, but Mulder tells you he, he forgot it. He left in a hurry. So Mulder does not have his phone. I don't think that actually comes into play anywhere. But I don't think it does phone. either. <laughs> yeah, except for right here. <laughs> except for right here, we know that Scully's flight right was here. late. And yep. he doesn't have his phone, which we don't really need to know, but yeah, it's fine. And, and Mulder topped on a flight without Scully, which is why he shows up. Yeah, which is the main thing. It's basically he rushed out the door and probably left yep. her a message saying, meet me here. Yeah. So she says he mentioned something about a kidnapping. And he tells her that Amy Jacobs was taken from her bedroom last night at 10 o'clock. 30-year-old Lucy Householder was admitted just after 10 p.m. She clapped at work in some kind of seizure in what her doctors are calling glossiola incoherent speech scully translates for the viewer Mulder tells her whether she knew it or not lucy was repeating the exact words spoken by amy's kidnapper at the exact same time 20 miles across town and scully's like that's spooky and Mulder's like well that's my name ain't it and then it turns out that lucy was kidnapped from her bedroom at the age of eight while her parents were asleep she was missing for five years before she escaped and she was found by the side of the road her abductor kept her locked in a basement the whole time, and he was never caught. And then Scully's kind of like, oh, and then the elevator opens, and they both get in. Yep. So they enter Lucy's room, and Mulder introduces them both, and he tells her that they're with the FBI. And Lucy wants a cigarette, but they won't let her smoke. And Scully asks if she's feeling better, and she says she's fine. And Mulder asks if she heard about the kidnapping last night. And Lucy kind of wants to know why they're asking her. And Mulder asks if she remembers what she was saying last night. And she doesn't. So he tells her that she said, nobody's going to spoil us. And she looks a little spooked. 
And Scully asks if that means anything to her. And Lucy says no, but it's pretty obvious that like it does. Mulder's and just spooking everybody. I know. Well, he yeah. is spooky Mulder. That's true. <laughs> so Mulder tells her that those were the exact words spoken by the kidnapper last night. And she is kind of like, what's your point? And Mulder tells her they just want to find the girl. And if she knows anything, and Lucy kind of turns to the window and she says that she wouldn't wish what she'd been through on anybody, but that doesn't mean she can make it better for herself or anyone else. And so Mulder thanks her and they turn to leave. And then she kind of stops them and she's like, when can I get out of here? The doctors told her it was up to the FBI. So like she couldn't leave until the FBI talked to her. And Mulder tells her that they can't hold her and she's free to go. So she grabs her clothes and she heads into the bathroom to change. So Mulder and Scully leave. And then in the bathroom, we see Lucy and she kind of lets the water run hot and like fog the mirror and just kind of stares at herself for a while. Yeah. And she's super jittery. Like it's actually not in the summary, but after she leaves and they're getting ready to leave, Scully says, I guess she doesn't like being in confined spaces. And Mulder's kind of like, yeah, but like, it was weird the way it was. I don't know if it was the intent of the writing or if it was just the delivery in the scene, but it seemed like, like super tone deaf the way she said it. Like, I guess she doesn't like, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just thought it was just like, she was kind of correlating that to her experience. Like she probably yeah. doesn't like confined spaces. Cause like I yeah. wouldn't, <laughs> she was locked in a basement for five years. The way, it, the way it said, it sounded slightly like, yeah, she doesn't like confined. It seemed, it seemed flippant, but it could just be delivery. Or like, I don't like, I don't know what the intent of the writer was to have her say that line. So, cause in the way Mulder reacts, it sounds like he's reacting to Scully being flippant a little bit. And it's like, yeah, like he's like being sympathetic. So I, but I don't know. I don't know what the deal was with that line. So yeah, I don't either. It just kind of struck me and we all know that I don't like Scully. So, <laughs> so then on the side of the road, Carl, and remember, Carl is the kidnapper. He has his trunk open and he's looking down at, we assume he's like, we don't actually see because we just see him looking at his trunk. And then we get some POV also from like inside the trunk of him. So we assume he's looking at Amy. We actually don't right. see Amy in the scene at all. Yeah. And Which I, th I, I think uh, we'll talk about this at the end, but I think it's probably because they were trying to minimize how much stuff the actress had to do. Yeah. Because she was a kid. Yeah. So yeah, they had yeah. to minimize. Yeah. So that way. Yeah. So yeah. But we assume so, that she's in the truck. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't get the cool like zoom dashboard footage of like her eyeball like we did with Scully when Scully was in the trunk. So anyway. <laughs> to count how many women are in trunks in this series. That would be an interesting experiment. Anyway, let's move yeah. on. <laughs> on. Onward and forward. That's the same thing. Anyway. So a tow truck pulls up behind him. And then he shuts the trunk. Boom. Right. Because don't want anybody to see what's in his trunk. Uh, mm -mm. Got a girl in there. So the driver gets out and he asks if Carl called for a tow. And Carl says it wasn't him. And so the driver does seem to have a name. So like, it's not like he's just trying to like gin up business or something. Because he does apparently have a name that he's looking for. Of course, he could have made it up. I don't know. But Carl says it wasn't him. But then the driver offers to help him because he does have a flat tire. And Carl's like, we'll be fine. And the driver's like, because Carl says we'll be fine, but the driver mm -hmm. does take note that there's no one else in the car. So Carl's like using like the royal we maybe, or because mm -hmm. he has a girl in the trunk. Anyway, so he offers to fix it for 40 bucks and it's like, I won't tell my boss. So he's trying, he's probably on the make and is just trying to make some money. And Carl says, I don't have 40 bucks. And he's like, Well, I'll do it for 10. He's like, just pop the trunk and we'll get the spare. 
And Carl reaches down and grabs the tire iron off the ground and is like, leave me alone. And like pulls it up. The tow truck driver guy jumps back. And he almost gets hit by a car. And then Carl keeps on like, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. And so the driver gets back in his truck and he drives off and he's like, freak. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty aggressive because he's just like, oh, you're not the guy who called me. Well, I can help you out. Like. Yeah, we so that, even put the, this the, on the, the books. fact that he had a name that was probably I'm thinking now more and more that, that was probably fake. He was just like given a random name, but he was probably just driving around. I was like, oh, I can make some cash right now. On right. So, yeah, maybe. But yeah, either way, the guy's, you know, he doesn't want to open his trunk. So I don't not know why that's fair out. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. You know, he probably got like dog hair in there and doesn't like feels bad. If he hasn't vacuumed it recently or something. <laughs> That's me. I'm like, I have too many reusable bags in my trunk. You guys can't open this. He's got one of those embarrassing little toy tire spares, not like a full spare. He doesn't want the guy to kill him for having a. I think I have one of those. I actually don't know. I know I have a spare. I've never looked at it. (laughs) I should probably know these things about my car. Whoops. Uh, I've had it for like six years. (laughs) Luckily, I haven't needed a spare. Knock on wood. Knowing the kind of car you have, (laughs) you probably do because there's not a lot of space for a. Yeah, I have a little tiny. I have a tiny little car. It's it's a tiny little thing. I love it. It's so easy to park because it's so small. It's great. So then we're at the FBI regional office in Seattle, Washington, and it's 1.53 p.m. And Mulder walks into the office and Eubanks stops him. And he's like, did you get anywhere with Lucy Householder? And Mulder says no. And Eubanks says that his guy on the phone, because he's like on the phone. So like he stops Mulder and he's like talking on the phone. He says his guy on the phone says Lucy has a criminal record and a boyfriend who's doing time for assault and child endangerment. But Mulder doesn't think Lucy's involved. Eubanks says it's the closest thing they have to a lead. And then Eubanks is kind of like, well, I'm going to get some people to follow up on it. And Mulder offers to do it basically to prevent other people from being like assigned to do the same to kind of cut Lucy some slack, really. Mm -hmm. And so Scully comes in and she tells Mulder that she's got something weird. She was going over Lucy's medical workup and she noticed that her blood type is O. But forensics pulled two blood types off Lucy's work clothes, O positive and B positive. So Lucy's is O positive, but Amy Jacobs' blood type is B positive. And Mulder points out there are actually a number of people with B positive blood, but Scully points out that Lucy is tied to the case and she had someone else's blood on her uniform. Mulder insists that Lucy is a victim like Amy. And if she has a connection to the case, that's the extent of it. But Scully tells him that she's having a PCR test run on Amy's blood to see if there's a DNA match to Amy on the blood on the uniform. And Mulder asks her to keep that under her hat because he doesn't want Lucy treated like a suspect until it's certain that she is one. Yeah, I get wanting to run a test on the blood because it's like this is weird blood. But also at the same time, like, there is no reasonable explanation of why she would have Amy's blood on her shirt. Cause like, if you think just time-wise, it's, so it's weird. I get it. But like the whole, like is we're doing it. Cause we think it's Amy's blood. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. So. I think it's cause like Eubank said, she's the one lead. And so she has a connection to the case, however tenuous and the blood type matches Amy. So they're going to check him, see if it is. Yeah, the one reason why it could be Amy's blood is definitely not something Scully would ever believe in. So that's what makes this kind of a little weird to me. Well, the other Um, reason is that she could be involved in the kidnapping. Right, but so did they take her blood early and just like stick it up her nose and so she could bleed it out on her work clothes later? Like that doesn't make sense either. 
No, it doesn't make sense. But yeah. So, but also we're getting a lot of that, like, oh, she has a criminal record because she basically has like trauma from being kidnapped. So she must be guilty. And, oh, she's involved with people who are messed up because she has trauma and can't make good relationships. So she also must be guilty. It's kind of gross. So it is. But unfortunately, it's really realistic, too. And there are cases where people have helped like their kidnappers and stuff but obviously that's usually while they're still kidnapped it's not usually well you know years later it's just like oh you have a criminal background you must be guilty of whatever we think you're guilty of because yeah Yeah. but unfortunately i mean that's that is how it works a lot of the time which sucks but it is unfortunately not unrealistic you're an apologist oh I'm not an apologist. I'm saying I've I thought I knew you. I'm super into true crime. This happens all the time. Someone with a very tenuous connection has one weird thing, and all of a sudden it's like, well, they have a criminal record. Of course they can be guilty. You know what I mean? Like that's how it is. Well, no, I'm saying I just say that's the thing. It's I'm not saying that that part is gross. I'm not saying yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying this is a thing. The way you were saying that it's a thing. I was taking it as you mean, like, well, that's true. That's how it works. They usually are guilty. So that's why. I was... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not okay. saying that they're guilty. That's how it works. Oh, okay. I'm saying See, was... them being suspects is how it works because know, that's what the police gross. assume. But, yeah. Okay. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm okay. just saying that I was is very realistic. Saying, like, well, there's a reason why they do that because that's usually true. And so I was <laughs> no. like, Tori, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, opposite, opposite. I'm saying <laughs> okay. that it is gross, oh, okay. but that okay. is how it works because they do tend to assume those people are suspects because of these tenuous connections. That doesn't mean they're actually guilty. It just means that that is unfortunately people who are corralled in because they want to close the case. Exactly. And if they can pull you in and say, well, you have this, this, and this. So obviously you must be connected that, you know, that's what they do. Not that it's a good thing. And not that that makes those people guilty. Okay. I was just not. like, Oh my God. What am so I'm I glad doing? we clarified that. because doing? No, oh, okay. <laughs> no, right. I do not believe that in any way. I do agree okay. with you that it's gross. All right, cool. <laughs> Yay. All right. So then we're at bright angel halfway house and it is seven nineteen PM and a man who will learn his name is Henry. He's hurrying down a hall and up the stairs. And up in a room, we see Lucy and she's in bed and she's shaking and she's shivering. And the door opens and Henry comes in and he's like, he brought her another blanket and she complains that she's cold. And he thinks they should call a doctor. She's like, no. And then he asks to see her face and she has like contusions on like her forehead and scratches on her head and on her face. And he asks what she did to herself. And then she asks why it's so dark. She can't see. And it's not dark in her room, by the way. No. Anyway, so then we cut to Amy, and Amy is sitting in a dark basement. And there's a slit in a trap door overhead, and we see that Carl is looking at her. Also, Amy has the same contusion on her forehead and scratches on her forehead and face that Lucy had. And then Carl is looking down at her, and then he closes the slit and leaves her in darkness once more. And we're going to commercial. Creepy. Yeah. And when we come back from commercial, we are still at Bright Angel Halfway House, but now it is 8.03, so almost an hour has passed. And Mulder walks up to the halfway house, and then we can see, like, in the reflection from his car on the windshield, there are, like, blue and red lights flashing. And inside, Mulder finds Lucy sitting on the bed with an EMT, and he asks how she's doing. And the EMT says she's fine. Her blood pressure is back to normal and her temperature is back up. And the EMT is like, hey, you know, get something to eat. Get your blood sugar back up as well. And so Mulder asks if he can take her to dinner. 
And then we're in a kitchen. And I guess we're in the kitchen of the halfway house. I think is maybe where we're at. Because Henry is in there and he's cleaning the stove. So I think mm-hmm. Henry probably works like at the halfway house is what's going on. And yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, they're in the kitchen and Lucy is eating a bowl of soup. Looks kind of like chicken noodle soup or at least chicken soup. Doesn't see a lot of noodles. And Mulder asks if she's feeling better and kind of non-responsive. Then he asks like if she's feeling better than Amy Jacobs. And she's like, I wouldn't know. And Mulder says that if anyone would know, she would. And Lucy says she has her own problems now. And then he asks her how she scratched her face. And she says she must have done it in her sleep. And then he leans in and asks her if she's using again. And she says she's clean. She passed her test last week. And then Henry, who I mentioned before, is in the kitchen. He's cleaning the stove. He looks back at him. He confirms like she passes flying colors. So Henry probably does work at the halfway house for sure. And Mulder tells her the girl's in trouble. And then she's like, like, get it through your head. I can't help you. So then she picks up her bowl and she goes over to the sink and she dumps the rest of her soup down the sink. And Mulder tells her that he thinks she can lead them to Amy. And Lucy says she doesn't know where she is and she's not interested. And Mulder tells her that right now he thinks Lucy is Amy's best hope. And Lucy says that if she's her best hope, that little girl is in a hell of a lot more trouble than he thinks she is. So, yeah, I super love Lucy. I love her a lot. I think she's great. I don't know. I just think she's really good. Because, I mean, that's got to be hard, right? Like, you're (laughs) just like, help me. And she's like, no, man, no. I don't know. I think she's great. I mean, I get it because the trauma, there is a little bit of that, like, basically, like, I don't care kind of thing. That's a little, like, "Mm," because, like, someone is going through the same thing you are. So, like, but also maybe she's trying, like, totally trying to separate herself from it because she can't be involved just because of the thing. So, yeah. I think that, and I think also because she does know exactly what she's going through, that she just doesn't, you know, she knows how little help she could have gotten, you know, like, what could anyone have really done if they didn't know where she was? And so I think she kind of knows. Right. It's just, like, because she says, like, she doesn't care. Yeah, I think that's... That part's a little, uh, but I think it's just, like, she's trying to, she's got to keep a wall between it because she can't yeah well know, and i don't yeah. think people always say what they're thinking i think right, in this yeah. case she's probably saying she doesn't care and I, I think that's very obviously not true but she's trying right. to convince Mulder yeah. that it is because she doesn't want to get dragged in yeah so then we're back in the dark basement and we see Amy and she hears something. She looks around scared. And then she sees this red flashing light. It kind of looks, it's a little bigger, but it kind of looks like, you know, when you see a laser on a gun on someone on TV, kind of has that look. But then a camera flashes and we see that Carl is in the basement with her. And there's like this red dot on his camera that I guess like aims at the thing he's going to photograph. And he, she basically scrambles away from the camera and like tries to get away from him, but she there's nowhere to go. So she ends up in this corner and he just like moves the camera and just keeps taking photos and the flash keeps going off and she sinks to the floor and he just keeps going, keeps taking pictures. And she's like, who are you? What do you want? Why are you doing this? And he just doesn't answer. He just keeps taking pictures of her. It's super creepy. And then also it's like blinding her because she's been in darkness and this flash is like going off in her face and she can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Basically a very miserable situation. (laughs) 
And then Mulder's in the FBI regional office and he's watching a tape of Lucy and Scully comes in and he tells her to take a look at it. And we see that it's Lucy in 1978, the week she was found. And she's like crawling on the floor and like trying to hide from the light. And the doctor's trying to help her, but her eyes are like hypersensitive because she was kept in the dark and she can't really form sentences. Like she can barely string two words together because she's just such a mess from being in this basement for years. And then Scully tells Mulder that they think they have a big break in the case. School pictures were actually mailed out this week and every student got one except for Amy. So the photographer checked out. They did like a background check on him. Seems like he's a solid guy. But his assistant was fired the day after the shoot. And the assistant's name is Carl Wade. And she has DMV records and an old address for him. But apparently he spent the last 15 years institutionalized for some kind of bipolar condition. And the only current thing they can get on him is this photo that was taken by his previous employer when he was trying out a new camera. So Mulder asks if they've shown the photo to the little sister and Scully says they're doing it right now. And so Mulder says he's going to take it and show it to Lucy. And I'm so happy they did the math right on this because that would match because if she was 13 in 78, because she was kidnapped when she was eight, spent five years, that'd make her 13, which would then make her born in 65. And the episode is 95. So yay, 30 math. (laughs) Good job, X-Files. Hooray. Yay. So then we're at Carl's house and Carl is leaving. He's getting in his car. Amy is in the basement and she hears and realizes that he's gone. So she's looking around and after Carl leaves, she sees this small, because she's trying to figure out like how she can get out of here, right? And she sees the ladder that goes up to the trap door. You figure, well, that's probably locked, right? Not going to get out of that. But then she sees this little print pick of light coming through the wall. So she goes over, she tears off like probably what is like some kind of like tar paper or something on the wall. And it reveals slats of wood. So she manages to pull one of those slats off and then keeps going at it. Mm-hmm. And then Mulder is going back to the halfway house. And he's in the kitchen. Talk to Lucy because she's in the kitchen again, I guess. Maybe that's where she, she works in the halfway house. I'm not sure why she's in the kitchen again, but she still is. And he says that she's done with him and runs away. And he follows her. And before she can go through a door, he kind of grabs her by the shoulder. And she's like, hey, don't touch me. I like being touched, you know. And so he's like, I apologize because obviously – Fair enough. I mean, just with anybody, but also with her. Yeah, for sure. Not a good good move. So, and then she kind of like, like, you know, I was doing fine until all this stuff started. And he's like, I just want to show you a photograph. So he pulls out the photo of Carl and she looks at it. We can kind of tell and Mulder can kind of tell that she recognizes the photo, Mm -hmm. but she turns and just goes, runs. Mm -hmm. And then back in the basement, Amy has gotten the one board off that we saw, and she's got a second one off. But then she hears Carl's car pull back up. So she starts like, ah, and like kind of freak out, and she's tugging on the third board. And then Carl pulls some bags out of his car, and he heads inside. And then Amy is trying to get that third board off. And then inside, Carl puts his stuff down, and he hears a noise. And he opens the trap door and looks, and he sees Amy going out the space that she made. So it looks like maybe it was a window that was boarded up or something. I'm mm-hmm. really sure. But she's out. Boom. She runs in the woods that are surrounding the house. Honestly, she probably could have made it through just the two boards, but we need to have some drama, I think, probably. So. Yeah. It's so. pretty big. Yeah. So then we see Lucy and she's running down the street. And then we keep cutting back and forth between Amy 
and Lucy. Amy is running through the woods, being pursued by Carl, and Lucy is running down the street. Apparently, at some point, Amy, when she's running, she, like, turned weird because then Carl is, like, like hypotenusing her and, like, yeah, he's kind of like next to her, but like, yeah, away. yeah. So she must have like gone at an angle at some point and turned a corner, and then he's can just beeline right to her. And so, but then we're cutting back and forth, and it's almost like either they're vibing each other or Lucy is vibing Amy because then, like, they're both kind of like Amy is obviously doesn't know where she's at and is running around, but then Lucy also kind of like periodically stops and like turns weird ways that you think maybe she wouldn't turn, mm-hmm. but then Amy falls down. And Carl stands over her and she's like, oh, and she's holding her arm because when she fell, she hurt her arm. Lucy also falls down and then it's also like, oh, my arm. And then Mulder runs up to her and he helps her up. And then Lucy starts crying and it's like, what's happening to me? And we go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Mulder and Lucy sit in her room and we see the photo of Carl is on the bedspread. And Mulder tells Lucy that Carl has probably changed a lot over the past 17 years. And he asked if she knew his name. He was Carl Wade. And he worked as a photographer's assistant. School pictures, mostly. And that's where he saw Amy Jacobs. And Lucy hands him back the photo. And Mulder kind of turns it over so they don't have to look at it. And she asks what Mulder wants from her. And he wants to know what she's going through. And Lucy says that it feels like it's happening all over again. And Mulder asks if she can feel what Amy is going through. And Lucy kind of looks away. And then Mulder just implores her to help, but she keeps insisting there's nothing she can do. And then Mulder hears a car pull up outside. So he goes to the window and looks out and he sees Scully, Eubanks, and another man get out of the black car. And Mulder tells Lucy to wait there and he goes downstairs and we see Lucy kind of go to the window to see what's going on. And then Mulder gets downstairs and he asks Eubanks what's going on. And Eubanks tells him they're there to arrest Lucy. And Mulder asks why. And Scully tells him that the blood on Lucy's uniform was an exact DNA match for Amy. And so they go up to Lucy's room and she's gone. And so Eubanks asks where she is. And Mulder's like, I don't know. She was just here. Yeah, I would not. Mm, don't like this scene. Don't like this scene. Don't like this scene. Because just like, Scully, come on, dude. Like, we already talked about the fact that like, even if that is Amy's blood, like that makes no, like there's no non-paranormal way that works. Right. But then also, like, Mulder asked you to, like, hold it down until we actually knew for sure. And, like, just the blood matching doesn't automatically make her guilty. So. No, um, but it means but, that she has the kidnapped victim's blood on her, which does make her a suspect. I know, except for it makes no, there's no physical way that could ever happen, which is the problem. But, yeah, I get it. Right. Like, but there's no paranormal way that could happen if you don't believe in paranormal stuff. Right. Either, but there's right? that's the thing. There's no normal or if you don't believe in paranormal. Right. So either way, there's no way it could possibly happen. So there's got to be something weird. Right. So there's something weird going on. But like the obvious conclusion to like law enforcement is that she had this blood on her. She must be involved somehow. We don't know how she got the blood on her. I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. She was 20 miles across town and there were witnesses. So it doesn't make a lot of sense unless she had some kind of contact with Amy Jacobs before the kidnapping. But right that's the evidence they have that's what they're going with so they're going to detain lucy and talk to her yeah it's just messed up it is i mean it's not it's not a great system our whole justice system is awful and this is yeah and i do feel that like she didn't tell Mulder. she just like went and told the other dude and then they came and get him that's also a little bit messed up but anyway so also in this scene scully gets out of the car and then we see her and she's walking with an umbrella and like no one else has it's not raining 
Like, is she something like a vampire and can't be out in the sun? Like, I don't uh, know why she has an Seattle. umbrella. It's Seattle. It could rain at literally any second. You have to be prepared. Uh, it's just it's weird because they get out. Of the, there's no rain anywhere. Like, the streets aren't even wet. And then she gets out of the car and then we see her, like, walking up the stairs with them. And she's got an umbrella. And it's like, what are you doing with an umbrella? But that was just weird. Anyway, maybe it was raining earlier. And so Jillian Anderson had one. And they decided to use it. It's weird. Like, just from a directorial point of view, it's super weird that she has an umbrella. But yeah, it doesn't seem like anyway. you need to carry one when you're going to arrest somebody. I don't no. know. Why also, it that. super clashes with her outfit. Ooh. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we are back in Carl's basement, and Amy is just begging Carl that because she, she is thirsty, right? Well, one, she would rather probably not be in the basement, I imagine, and with him. But also she's like, you know, I'm thirsty. Well, she just ran through the woods too. Yeah. And he's like, you shouldn't have run. And he's like, I'm taking care of you. I thought you understood that. And she's like, please, can I just have some water? Please, please. And he's like, you shouldn't have run. And then, you know, she's finally like, water, please. And so when he finally gets a glass and pours some from the tap, I'm not sure it's probably a super clean glass or super awesome water because who knows? Anyway, and he puts the glass to her mouth and she drinks it and then she starts coughing. And she's like, I want my mom. And he just like walks away and goes back up the ladder. And she's like, I don't want to die here. And then he closes the trap door. Mm-hmm. So that's a super cool scene. And then Mulder is holding a wanted poster that shows Amy and Lucy. And Mulder tells Eubanks that he's just going to drive her away with this kind of thing. And that a dozen witnesses place Lucy across town at the time of the kidnapping. And Eubanks is like, I'm aware of the facts. And Mulder insists that she's not working with Carl Wade. So you so Eubanks then asks how he got the blood on her, and Mulder says she may have bled it, and Eubanks is like, "What? She telling me she bled Amy's blood?" And he's like, "That explains why there's so little of the blood in the bedrooms." And then someone tells Eubanks he has a phone call, and so Eubanks like probably happily leaves and tells Mulder he doesn't have time for his nonsense. So, yeah, yeah. And then Scully says that she hates to say it, but she thinks he just ran out of credibility, especially with Eubanks. And Mulder crumples the wanted flyer and says that Eubanks is wrong. And Scully says that Mulder is protecting Lucy beyond the point of reason. And Mulder says that he thinks she's connected to Amy, just not the way everyone else does. And Scully asks Mulder if he will at least consider that Lucy could be connected to Carl Wade. And Mulder asks why she would be. And Scully says, I don't know, maybe after five years in captivity, she developed some kind of dependency. And Mulder doesn't buy it. But Scully says it makes more sense than the notion that Lucy is bleeding Amy's blood. Right. Although Scully does not have an explanation of how that blood got on her. No, so. but if you, she doesn't believe Mulder's either, right? So there has to be somewhere, something else going on. Right. But it's just, you can't say like, well, this has to explain it because science, right? I mean, that's the same kind of like belief that science without reason is also not like, you know, whatever. But no, but the science shows she has Amy's blood on her. But then you can't explain how. That's the problem. You can't explain. Right. No, I know. And so Mulder also can't explain, like, she's not buying Mulder's explanation for the blood. Right. But then she doesn't offer one that makes sense. So, well, her explanation is that she's working with Carl Wade in some way. But that is, but that, that you're, you're totally can wave in the fact that is, if she's working with Carl Wade, you still have to explain why she has the blood on her and you can't. I know. That's problem. So, I know. But that's, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, she's saying Mulder's explanation doesn't work, but at the same time, neither does hers. And that's the problem. Right. Neither explanation so, makes sense. Right. But as far as the authorities are concerned, 
her having that blood on her makes her a suspect in some way because she must be involved somehow. And that's how she got the blood on her. Right. Except Scully is on the side of the authorities in this case when she should, if she's not going to be on Mulder's side, she'd be on the side of like, none of this makes sense. Something else must be going on and not be jumping right on the other bandwagon. That's, that's my problem with it is like, she's not, if she doesn't want to be on Mulder's side, that doesn't automatically say you have to be on this side because there's not an explanation for that either. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't, I see why it bothers you. I'm just saying that that's, <laughs> there's no good reason and so i don't i don't blame her for being on that side i do okay actually i blame the writer for putting her on that side because, yeah that's again, fair it's, it's, it's writing so she's not a person we talk about this all the time so i mean she is to me but <laughs> no, that's a problem right there that we are not going to discuss right here so <laughs> Mulder thinks that Lucy has developed some kind of empathic transference. It accounts for the identical words that she spoke and the spontaneous wounds and the blood, which also has not been, well, they don't know that they're, they match Amy's, I guess we, we know because we've seen it, but they don't know that. They so, don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So Scully asks why she ran then. And Mulder says, well, cause she's afraid probably cause like cops show up and I don't want to be arrested. I would probably run too. even if I wasn't guilty, honestly, cause you know, not a good history of that kind of thing happening especially if you have a criminal record. Anyway, sure, so yeah. Scully thinks that Mulder has developed his own empathic connection with Lucy, whom he sees like his sister, and he can't accept that she might be capable of committing this crime. Mulder gets upset and like says like he's very aware of that and that not all of his motivations go back to his sister, and Scully, of all people, should know that everything traces back to a single childhood experience. So, yeah. And then in an interrogation room, we see the truck driver and he's identified the photo of Carl because I guess they put it out on the wire and stuff. So right. He probably saw it and yeah. was like, oh, that's that guy who freaked out that's at me. That guy who tried to hit me with him. a freaking tire iron. Yeah. <laughs> trying to help him change his tire and he freaked out. Just trying out. to make some bank and the dude <laughs> wanted to hit me with a tire iron. Anyway, he tells them he offered to fix Carl's flat and then the dude went wacko on him. And he didn't see a girl, anyone else, but he's like, but she could have been in the trunk. Which will explain why he didn't want to open the trunk, right? So the driver points out where he saw them on a map. Because they're like, do you know where? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. And so he goes to the map. Mulder asks if he knew what direction they were going. He tells them they were headed west. And so Mulder follows the route to Easton off of 903, which is also where Lucy was found 17 years ago. Ooh. I did not check to see if Easton, Washington is actually a place you know I meant to look it the up. The map they're using is definitely printed off of a computer because yeah, the it quality is. is not super great. So it's, it's in probably fake. Kittitas County. So it's not a place I've been, but it is real. Oh, it is real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the map they're using still is like printed with a not great printer because it is. Oh, yeah. Pixely. It's near the Yakima River Valley. So it's not close to Seattle. It's quite a drive, but yeah. Oh, okay. All righty. I mean, they've done that before. They've used cities that are real but aren't in the location they say they're. Well, to be. and also, so. if he kidnapped her, he could take her three or four hours south. Like that—that that makes sense, because right? What would you know? Take her far away, that would be, less that would be quite a while. But if he lives there, that means he's working in Seattle. Though that's that's quite a commute. Yeah, that is quite a commute. Although maybe yeah. he was living in Seattle and then he just had a maybe. house out there. Well, they had that thing. They had that thing in Conduit where they were saying they were in a city that was next to the lake, when in reality the city is like mm -hmm. nowhere near the lake, even though it's a real city. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. then we're in Easton, Washington, and we see three cars come racing into town. And Carl's actually like in the downtown area, 
and he sees the cars come racing into town and i don't know what he thinks but like he gets in his car and he pulls off mm-hmm. i'm guessing he kind of knows something is up. i mean you can kind of tell when cars are cop cars even if yeah so you yeah. can so he kind of has a clue now that they're on to him yeah. So Mulder parks in front of a photo shop because he figures that there's photo supplies. So Carl will probably have an account there and they might have his info, which apparently that works because then we cut to another scene and like cars are racing up the road towards Carl's house and they park on the street. And then like, you know, the whole team goes through the woods, right? They've got the guns mm-hmm. they spread they got out guns and everything yeah, heading towards the house. Yeah. And we see Mulder, Scully and Eubanks and like the entire team. And Mulder and Scully head up the stairs to the front door and there's a window in the door and inside Mulder sees that like the front rooms of the house look empty, but there is a trap door that's like propped open in the floor. So then inside Mulder climbs down the ladder into the basement. He's got like his gun out, you know, ready to see who's there. And we see someone huddled in the corner. So, you know, probably Amy. And Scully and Eubanks stand atop and Scully calls down and he's asking if he found her and Mulder brings the woman to the trap door and we see it's actually Lucy, not Amy. And she's kind of like clinging to Mulder. <gasps> so. That's a commercial. Eubanks is just going to be even fuller on like she's guilty. Than well, that's now. the thing is like, it's not going to look Ooh. good because now she's in the location with the killer, right? Like that's yeah. not going to look happy for her. Yeah. So, unsurprisingly, we come back from the commercial and Eubanks is looking through a stack of black and white photos that Carl took of Amy and asks Lucy where Carl took her. And Lucy says she doesn't know. And Eubanks tells her that if anything happens to Amy, she'll be tried as an accomplice. And he asks if they were in the house when she arrived. And she says no and denies having seen or spoken with either of them. Eubanks asks why she's there then. And she's like, I don't know. I've been here before a long time ago. That was where he kept me. And then Eubank tells another officer to take her outside and place her into custody. And Mulder's like, no, I'll take her instead. And Eubank's kind of like starts to do, but Scully kind of like, nope, it's it's fine. So Scully kind of stands up for Mulder a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Mulder walks her out and he opens the car door and she kind of sits on the seat, like with the door open. And she tells Mulder that Carl hasn't touched Amy, not yet. He wants to, but he can't. That's why he takes the photos. And she says, if Carl can't have her all to himself, that's when he becomes dangerous. And so Mulder says that whether she realizes it or not, she came there to help Amy. But Lucy's like, no. And Mulder tells her that Amy needs some of her strength. Lucy says, Amy isn't going to make it. And Mulder says that Lucy has to help her. I forgot about this part. And now thinking about it. It's kind of mm, weird. Yeah, anyway. I know. I feel kind of gushy about this. And I'll, we'll talk about this again. But yeah, it doesn't feel good, though. Yeah, I forgot about this part. But now with what's going to happen. Mm, I mean, I it's going to be a couple of minutes, people. It's not really a spoiler. But what happens is that's kind of like, oh, man. Oh, damn it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So then Lucy seems to tune into Amy again. And she tells Mulder that she's cold and wet. And Lucy starts coughing like she can't quite breathe. And Scully and the other agents come running out and Scully tells Mulder that they found Carl's car one mile north of here. And Mulder says they're in the water, in the river, which is east. So that's not where they found the car. And Mulder says that Carl knows the woods. He could be doubling back. So Scully tells another agent to stay with Lucy. And so she follows Mulder so they can go east and the other agents can 
mm-hmm. go wherever they're going, I guess. Apparently they all do end up going to the river, but then we see Amy in the river and she's being dragged along by Carl and he's probably dragging her through the water like so that they can't track him or whatever, I'm mm-hmm. guessing is the, the theory. But Amy's coughing in the same way that Lucy was coughing. And she kind of stumbles in the water and she begs to stop. And Carl's like, they're coming. And then Amy just like stops moving. And he stares at her and then he's like, no one's going to spoil us. And then he pushes Amy underwater. And then in the car, we see Lucy gasp as if she's unable to breathe. And then she spits up some water and passes out on the car seat. And so the agent who was left to watch her, like, calls for medical help because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. He's pretty freaked out, which I would be, too. Yeah. And she's, like, spitting up water. I think she spit up a little bit of water, too, after Mulder and them left. I think she she coughs again before we cut to Amy. And I think she spits up a little water then, too. But here she definitely is like, whoa. Yeah. 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 She's spitting up a lot of water. Yeah, so Mulder and Scully are running through the woods towards the river, and Mulder sees Carl, and Carl's holding Amy in the water. And so he pulls out his gun, and he tells Carl to hold it right there. But Carl turns and goes back, and so Mulder, pow, shoots him in the back. Good job, Mulder. That's how you use your gun. Hell yeah. Anyway, then Mulder and Scully run to Amy, who's unresponsive, and Carl's body is floating down the river. And then Mulder lays Amy on the ground. And he breathes into her mouth and Scully does some chest compressions. And as they do, we see Lucy in the car and she's starting to breathe a little bit. But then Scully like stops doing chest compressions, even though it hasn't been a full series of chest compressions. Tori has an explanation for this. And it's well, valid, it's because that would take 90 me. seconds. They're not gonna do I know. But then not, she's they're like, not gonna do a Mulder. full round of it's, it. So then we just have to it's pretend too late. Right? she's dead. Give up. And I'm like, dude, seriously, you're a doctor. Anyway tv so we're supposed to know that they've been doing it for long enough that she can tell it's not working but I mean, yeah it they is haven't, very they quick. haven't because they haven't cut really but anyway yeah so scully finally gets him to stop even though he doesn't want to he's like he's not happy about the fact that she's making him stop and then well, he's not happy around. about the fact that amy's dead like he's trying to well he's not happy it. about anything because he keeps trying and Scully basically pushes him off of her right. so and then in the car lucy comes around and then Amy jerks up and spits water and starts coughing. And so then Eubanks and the other agents come through the bush and Scully tells them they need EMTs with heat and oxygen because she's obviously cold from being in the water as well. Yeah. And then Eubanks tells them they're close. They're at Carl's place working on Lucy. And Mulder makes a run for the house. And Amy's like, I'm cold. And I want to go home. And the agents help her and get her up. And then another officer has found Carl's body down the river. And like, just pull him out of the water. Yeah, pulls it out of so. the water. Yeah. yeah. So then Mulder is back at the house and the agent tells him he doesn't know what happened. All of a sudden, Lucy couldn't breathe. By the time the EMTs arrived, she was gone. And then we cut over and we see that Lucy's body is like on a gurney and there's like, you know, blanket or something over her. And he pulls back the cover. He touches her face and water dribbles out of her mouth. And he just like collapses down and puts his head down against her and starts crying. I know. That's so. pretty... Yeah. Ooh, it's rough. Yeah, it was yeah. So then we're at the Bright Angel halfway house and we see Mulder is sitting on Lucy's bed and he's looking at photos of Lucy from when she was a kid, probably like before she was kidnapped in the photo that was probably plastered everywhere when she was kidnapped. Yeah. And Scully comes in and Mulder asks how Amy is. And Scully says that she's exhausted, but it looks like she's going to be fine. And Mulder asks about her injuries. But Scully says that Carl Wade must have left her alone. She didn't have any injuries. And Mulder says he dragged her through the woods for at least a mile. 
And Scully says she can't explain it, but Amy didn't have a cut on her. Everyone's just really glad she's okay. So no one's really questioning that right now because they're just happy she's like alive. So right. no one's like, why don't you have scratches? And then Mulder asks about Lucy's autopsy. And Scully actually stopped on her way here to get the report. And Mulder says she drowned, didn't she? And Scully confirms that they found five liters of water in her lungs. And Mulder says that Lucy saved Amy's life. And Scully sits down on the bed beside him. And she tells him that whatever there was between them, Mulder was part of that connection. Lucy may have died for Amy, but without Mulder, they never would have found her. And then Mulder says that she died for more than Amy. He thinks that this was the only way Lucy could finally escape and outrun Carl Wade. And that's the end. Yeah. Which I, I'm very gushy about that. Like the fact that he tells her she has to help Amy and then he decides she needs your strength. That kind of thing, like, and then he decides that that was her way of finally escaping, which maybe it was like he did get to know Lucy better than like probably we did or than anyone else did. But like, it's just kind of weird because like I kind of wish that Lucy hadn't died and they'd both been okay. And like, it's also just a weird thing because I don't think he was asking her to die for Amy, but like he was asking her to help her. And so now he feels like crap. she's dead and it's like it's actually similar to what happened in the blessing way in paper cut if we're going to take what albert said as fact right that melissa dying is because Mulder came back like that was someone has to die for someone to come back yeah yeah well and it's also because it's really unclear if lucy made a conscious choice to help her or if she didn't have that option like it's I guess we're supposed to think that she did make that choice because we do see her kind of come around when they're doing the CPR. So she is coming back. It's just, it's weird. It's just a weird, like, I just, I don't know how to feel about it entirely, I guess. Like, I want to be happy that Amy's okay, but now I'm sad about Lucy. And I don't know, like, if Lucy was able to really make that choice or if it was sort of thrust upon her. So I want to believe that she made that decision. But I'm I'm bummed that she had to, and also I don't. Well, and she to... could have made the decision to help and not realize what was going to happen too. Right, I mean, that too. That. Yeah, so it's a little, you know? gets a little which dark. I mean, which Ooh. I mean, if you're trying to help someone, you you know, you put your own life at risk maybe to help someone. You're putting your own life at. She may have not known she was putting her life at risk to do that, but like like if you run into a burning building to save somebody, you right. realize like I might not make it back out. Yeah, but the like, reason I would totally do you... that for my cat, but that's okay so... because yeah, I would do anything for my babies. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this episode, so just some background. I grew up in South Lake Tahoe. J.C. Lee Dugard was kidnapped from my hometown on June 10th, 1991. She was kidnapped from Myers, which is part of South Lake Tahoe. My friend lived in Myers when we were in high school and I would like pick him up for school all the time. It's the same school district. It was very like, so technically Myers, but it's South Lake Tahoe. So she was in my hometown and when she was kidnapped, she was kidnapped from the bus stop. And so it was very just like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? And she was kidnapped by this white van and it was just super weird and there were pink ribbons everywhere and her picture was everywhere. And I was nine at the time. JC Lee Dugard was 11. 
And she just vanished. Like no one could find her. And after a couple of years, everyone was very sure. Her mom always believed that she was okay and like would not would not hear anything else. And her mom was right. Like they found her alive like 20 years later in like the backyard of the, her kidnapper in Sacramento. So she is alive. She's back with her family. But then on October 1st, 1993, Polly Class was kidnapped from her bedroom during a slumber party. Like she was having a slumber party and her mom was home and she was kidnapped from her house in Petaluma. And my grandparents lived in Petaluma. And so that hit really close to home. So this episode hit me really hard when I was a kid. Cause like that idea of being kidnapped did not seem like a foreign concept. Like it was definitely a very real thing that could happen. And unfortunately Polly class was killed and then they found her body in December. So that whole thing was very tragic. Um, so yeah, this episode definitely hit me hard the first time I watched it and it still kind of hits me hard just cause like it's scary. <laughs> You're in your own bedroom and some guy comes and grabs you and it's just like terrifying. And actually because of Polly class and the abduction, it had actually happened, like I said, October 1st, 1993. So pretty recently, and they found her body, I think December 4th, 1993. So this was 1995. Wasn't that much long after. And so they had cast Jewel State, who was 13, to be the girl. And they wanted it to be very similar. And Fox Standards and Practices was like, uh-uh, no, you got to make this girl older. She's got to be like 15 or 16. So even though Jewel State was only 13, they did kind of call her 15 in the script and try and make her look older. But I mean, 15 year olds look like babies to me anyway, but she definitely looks like so young and so. Yeah, and there were and there are other girls in the background that are definitely like not a little 15. older. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're probably like in their 20s because that's usually what happens when you cast teenagers. For yeah, teenagers. for sure. But, yeah. So. But yeah, so um, to like appease standards and practices, Kim Manners also tried to like downplay Amy's ordeal whenever they were filming her and try and make it less like terrifying because they didn't want to get shot down by fox so just a little background yeah i would also like to caveat all this not to take away from tori's story but um stranger danger then becomes a thing i mean it's always kind yeah of a thing. oh yeah. and like that is like the very 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 small percentage of mm-hmm. kidnappings and abductions it is, is what, yeah but is what people use all the time for scare tactics and to give money to police departments and all i know and the so, idea that they're like trafficking yeah. kids and like wafer cabinets and stuff like it's all nonsense yeah. and mo- yeah most people are kidnapped by people they know and actually jc lee when she was first kidnapped her stepfather had like driven her to the bus stop and so they looked at him like super hard because like and there was a lot of suspicion like did he do something to her because well, especially he's a stepfather right so obviously right um he you know which i'm sure was awful yeah. and miserable for him because like how guilty does he already feel that you know he left her and like yeah but she was actually taken by a stranger and so but right. that is more rare and it's super rare to be kidnapped from your own bedroom especially when you have other people around like that is i think that's the part of the story that just really haunts me the most is that it wasn't like she was left home alone or something, you know, it's like she had friends of her in the same room. Like, she, you know, her mom was home. Right. Like, well, and those are the stories that get the big headlines, right? Right. Cause like, it's you know, so just like, like well, like, like Elizabeth Smart often... was also kidnapped from her bedroom and her sister was in the bed next to her, just like Amy Jacobs. Like, it's just one of those yeah. things where like, that's but like how often do you get Amber alerts on your phone? And it's, yeah. like, it's because it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. divorce or it's grandparents or it's, you know, right. It's, it's, Mom or dad grabbed the kid when it wasn't their turn to have the kid, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt responsible to do a mini you're wrong about on that <laughs> thing. So, Which is a great podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and also 
Like, I mean, it's funny because like I love Mulder and Scully. I love procedurals. Like there's a new psych movie coming out. I could not be happier. I am so excited. I'm glad that like just the whole thing, it makes it's so fun to watch. But like in real life, I'm like, man, cops are not good. And our justice system <laughs> is a hot mess. And like well, we have all right, been well, and like you and <laughs> I were talking before media. about how like, you know, Scully and Eubanks believing that the blood being on her. And like using that to like blame her and stuff is just like, that's exactly what happens. Cause that's what they do. They're like, if you put that on a true crime forum, like you would have people with pitchforks coming after Lucy. Cause she had Amy's blood on her. And so she must be guilty, even though there's no logical way for her to have gotten right. that blood. When well, I mentioned her. to you a couple of, of couple of specific cases where that has actually happened in real life, where people yes. had like DNA evidence on their body. And then later they actually realized why because it was like cross-contamination stuff but because mm-hmm. like even though the person had like a solid alibi witnesses everything but because you know and, and that's the thing that science thing and that's why this bothered me so much with scully and that because it is a thing in real life mm-hmm. where people that it's the csi effect like you tell a jury that there's some science and they will they will ignore every other piece of evidence because dna or blood and that's like that just trumps everything in their heads because it has to be true and they will ignore everything else and then people get wrongfully convicted of things because right. it's messed up so yeah like nick told me the story about this well i guess one of the victims had like his dna under a fingernail and they later found out it was because they had shared an ambulance and so they hadn't cleaned the ambulance well enough and she had gotten his dna under her fingernail in the ambulance yeah. well, it, was, it was a him it was oh a it was him. a him yeah and and i can't remember the details in the case so i feel weird i I don't want to like sure. talk about it, but yeah. Well, I well, I feel pretty sure that because it was an elderly couple who was killed, and I'm pretty sure what it was is they found what we're gonna can say the convicted person's DNA under one of the victim's fingernails. But it turns out is that the person had been in that ambulance, I believe, earlier, and they just like you know didn't clean the ambulance properly or something like that, and so there was some cross contamination. But because it was DNA evidence, even though the dude had like a solid alibi i believe the person was also mentally diminished and so that was another thing that you can blame them for because they aren't in control of themselves and so there's actually an episode of a podcast that talks about that story i will find it because i don't remember which episode it is i know the podcast name but i'll put it in the show notes okay cool i'd love to listen to that actually because i do not recall hearing that before but it's fascinating but yeah i mean it's it's a bad situation i think I think the writer just put Scully in a crappy place, right? Like she can't believe Mulder, but there's no explanation for the science. So she has to go with Eubanks, which like you said, that kind of sucks, but yeah, I don't know. I, think I mean, it, it there, are the, there are other ways they could have done it. I get it because like Mulder and Scully are supposed to play off each other in this one. They're kind of more playing against each other a little mm-hmm. bit, which I mean, you can do that. That's totally fine. But then you have to have like good reasons for it. And like this one, there's not really a good. Yeah. What's weird is at the end when she notices that Lucy drowned, like she admits it was drowned. I feel like she believes at that point, but it doesn't really come up. And I kind of would have liked her to say, oh, you were right or something. But then also like, it's like after the fact, that's not helpful. Well, it's not, but it would have been nice if she had just like acknowledged like you were right. Like you had it correct. Like it would just, you know, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) this script is written by a one and done writer. So they don't, this is their first one. They don't come back. I kind of, rationalize that is that's why in my opinion i think scully has not written that great in this episode mm-hmm. but um that's probably why which is kind of a shame because i think otherwise this is a really good episode 
Yeah. Just that one, no, I really like that it. one little bugaboo that really irritates me. But Scully kind of irritates me on a general basis. So maybe that's just something I'm latching <laughs> on to. I mean, it is a fair criticism for sure that like there's no logical explanation. Yeah. So what what is her theory of the case supposed to be? And what are yeah. we supposed to do? Corey and I were having a conversation via the Google Doc in like live time <laughs> as we were both editing the doc. I was getting a little about, feisty. <laughs> yeah, about how like, you know, I always think that she's written wrong, Tori was saying. And I'm like, I don't think she's always like she was written awesome in Clyde Bruckman and she was written fine in Pilot and she was written fine. And she's written fine in lots of episodes it's just she seems to be written not maybe in character rather than saying written badly she's not written in character more often than Mulder seems to be which kind of makes sense because with with two exceptions and both of them by the same person she's always written by dudes and so she's written by dudes I think Scully is Scully is forceful Scully's aggressive Scully can be wrong and I think she's antagonistic sometimes in a way that like I think I think maybe some writers think that she needs to be more antagonistic than she needs to be or she needs to be more against Mulder than she needs to be because I think that she's supposed to be like I'm pretty sure in the X-Files series bible there's like a log line that's like Scully does not believe till evidence right in face like or something like that like she and then some yeah but like I don't know. I think sometimes they push that a little farther than they need to. I think sometimes it's funny that you it. said that because one thing that I was going to say that I never did when we were talking about this was that I think a lot of times Scully, she's overcompensating for that kind of thing, which would be that she's pushing further than she needs to. Right. Like we talked about before, like, like it is true. Like women are usually ignored in these kind of situations yes. and don't. And so you have to like stand up for yourself and you have to be like maybe more aggressive than you need to, because no one's going to listen to you otherwise. Right? right. And so like, in some ways that can come off of like, Oh, she's being, you know, whatever you want to say the word is right. But it's like, well, no, it was kind of like she has to, because no one else is going to otherwise. But then, then you can also write that to where like it's happening too often or it's happening more than it needs to or stuff like that. So yeah. where that fine line is, is not for me to say because I'm a dude. And I don't live in that life. So, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it does go a little far, though. And I do like, I think the thing is that I think the writers really need to hone in on. I think the good writers do this is they manage to give Scully that skepticism, but keep that underlying respect for Mulder. Like she respects Mulder. She likes Mulder. She may love Mulder at some point. She may be starting to love Mulder now. But like, I think sometimes they forget that she has to not believe him for the sake of the story, or she has to come up with the alternate explanations for what's going on that are more realistic than whatever Mulder has pulled out of his hat this week. But I think that sometimes they forget that she also has to like really respect him while she's doing it because she does like as a character, I think that she absolutely respects Mulder. And I think sometimes they kind of push that a little far and have her be a little more dismissive or a little more whatever, because they're trying to show how she doesn't believe what he's saying. And I think there are ways to do that where it's maybe less antagonistic. The only thing in this episode where I would say, like, maybe she's being a little more dismissive or maybe disrespect. Probably. I I don't think she's dismissive of Mulder at all. Like she does push back about his behavior. And that one scene about like, you know, you're maybe this is your sister, which is valid you you in there when we were talking about it, you said it was valid and it is valid because Mulder has like gone off the rails several times because of how he feels about his sister mm-hmm. but the one part that I don't like that I think maybe she actually disrespected Mulder was with the like doing the blood work and then they just show up at Lucy's house to arrest her and, like, yeah 
that I didn't like because he did explicitly say like, can you can you keep this on the down low? Because I don't want her being treated poorly like she's suffering from trauma. And until we're absolutely sure, I want to try to avoid any more trauma to her. Yeah. And so like, like just getting that, like, I get it, getting that you're not going to be able to like, unless she totally hides it and doesn't tell anybody like, yeah, they're going to go arrest her, but like she could let Mulder know and not just show. Yeah. Although he doesn't have his phone. Doesn't have his phone. So maybe that, so maybe that <laughs> maybe, does come into maybe play. That is maybe that is. We said it didn't. So maybe it did. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It would have been nice if she had like given him a little bit of a heads up. And I, I, you know, I think that the writing does improve in a lot of ways, but it just, I think the writers have to remember like what the dynamic needs to be. And some of them do it better. Like you said, this is a one and done. And so I think maybe they push Scully a little farther than they need, they need to on the whole. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know, they, believe... have, they have a bunch of story editors on this, right? I mean, Darren Morgan's a story editor the whole time. Right. Someone could have come know, in and been like, Hey, yeah. And obviously Clyde Bruckman, that's what he wrote. Right. And that's a super good way. Of, like, like Scully is like in that episode, Scully is super dismissive of like psychics and Clyde and even Mulder, but then also is written really well. Like it's written the right way. It's right because she comes to see Clyde as like a person and she starts to really like him. Well, even if she, even if she hadn't, she's not being like irrationally dismissive. Right. Right. Like she has reasons to be dismissive. So. Oh, so you're saying women are irrational. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, no, I'm I'm totally, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why she's written well, because she's not being irrational. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And I'm not saying she's being irrational here, but the, the evidence that she has, it may be like evidence, but it also doesn't make any sense. Right. It doesn't lead you you to a conclusion. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, wait, how can that be? Like there's never, and she does that with Mulder all the time. Like, how can you say this is true? There's no way this could ever happen. Well, just because like there's a DNA match, then you still have to ask like, but then how did that happen? Like, right. you can't explain how it happened. Because she was 20 so. miles away and there are witnesses that show that she wasn't with Carl. So, yeah. right. And that she actually bled that stuff. Not like it was like, oh yeah, you know, she did have like some red stuff on her. I just thought it was like cherry <laughs> soda. No. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, ratings, ratings, ratings. ratings, ratings. So I, despite that like i do really like this episode i thought it was really good it did have a very like silence of the lambs feel at the end but then i may be confusing this with silence of the lambs because i think i've seen this more than i've seen silence of the lambs to be honest. well i mean there is like we're gonna put you in a hole right? yeah I, I swear there was a river scene like this but i might just be remembering this i need to watch silence of the lambs again that's what we're learning here it's been a while mm-hmm. but i i really did like this episode i do feel gushy Gushy is kind of my, I don't know, my word of like, I don't have a good solid read on how I feel about Lucy and the ending, but I do like Lucy and I like Amy and I like every, like, I think I mean, we don't get a lot of Amy. I mean, she's an innocent person. So, we I mean, don't, but she's a cute kid. And for all we know, she like tortures cats. When she's oh, we she doesn't. She's a cute little but, kid. And she's, I like the way her acting was really good when like she hears his car coming back and stuff. I thought that was good. Obviously, it's directed really well. In fact, one of the first shots opened up and I was like, oh, this is great. I wonder if Kim Manners did this. And he did. And I was like, yay, okay, I can start to like recognize his directing style. So I was very excited. Yeah, about that. Well, you're going to get some chances here because coming up right now, we're basically taking turns between Rob Bowman, David Nutter and Kim Manners. And then David Nutter is going to be leaving the series shortly. 
And basically, Rob Bowman and Kim Manners are going to be basically like taking turns between episodes for a while. Okay, cool. So, yeah, there's a well. there's a couple of one offs I think in here in this season mm-hmm. too. But coming up here, like in a few episodes, the rest of the season is going to be Kim Manners or Rob Bowman. Boom, nice. boom, 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 boom. So cool. Get a good compare and contrast, maybe. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. But yeah, I do like his style, and I thought he did a good job on this one. I think it's a seven for me. Like it's good. It's okay. a solid episode. There are some issues with it, but. Not enough to pop me out while I was watching it or to like bother me to the point where I was like, oh, that sucked, you know. Like, don't want to pop you out. Can... Um, before I give my rating, Tori, would you like to tell us what oubliette means? Oh, yeah. So oubliette is driven from the French verb to forget, which is, I believe, if I'm remembering my French correctly, oublier, which I had to say a lot in French class because I would oublier my homework and that is not how you conjugate that verb so i'm sorry (laughs) to french speakers because that's not how that works and oubliette is also it can be like a dark hole where you like put someone in or something in to forget about it and so that's Mm -hmm. where that comes from okay so now you know and knowing is half the battle (laughs) i am going to give this episode do we want a drum roll do we want a drum roll I'm going to give this episode an eight. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Despite my issues with Scully and how she's written. Like I said, in a way, like, I think the fact that this is a one and done dude, or or if nothing else, that this is the dude's first episode that he's written, explained, unless I'm using that as a rationalization, maybe he, like me, just doesn't really like Scully and so <laughs> wrote it from a male point of view. But... Because um, Mulder's written really well in this episode, actually. He is. He so, is. I really yeah, love Mulder in this. super well. And I yes. thought his connection with Lucy was really sweet. And I thought that, like, I even really liked him telling Scully, look, I have other motivations than my sister. I thought that was good because he does no. tend to run off because of his sister. He also, but... I will say, so I really love Scully in Clyde Brookman's Final Repose. I think it's well acted. I have, I am on the record of saying I'm not really sure that David... Duchovny or Jillian Anderson are actually that fantastic of actors. I think they're probably just, they're fine. Other people are going to disagree vehemently, I'm sure. But, like, she is awesome in that episode, and I think he is awesome in this episode. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he does a really good job. Whereas most of the time, I'm kind of like, oh, it could have been anybody. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right. So, yeah. No, but yeah, so I'm going to give it an eight, because despite all nice. that, I think this dude going forward, if he had stuck around, maybe he might have, like, the script itself is good. Maybe he might have got into the vibe, or they may have been like, hey, can you, like, cut it back on making Scully so whatever she is in this one? Yeah. Then maybe that would have been better. But, but it's a one and done. He never he never writes for the X-Files again. So I don't, yeah. and I didn't look I'm him curious. up to see what he, to see what he works on. I, I should have, but yeah, I didn't so. think to. Yeah, so we'll we'll leave it with that we didn't look him up. People can look okay, him up. that works. Yeah, we'll skip it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, let's oubliette this episode. Oh, <laughs> so you want to for- you want to forget this episode? You want to no, put it in a no, hole? it's good. No, oh my I think god, it's really it has an average of a seven point five, which is like pretty high. That is really high. This season, I think, is going to be really high. Like, I think the walk was probably, I mean, I'm hoping the walk was like the one bad one, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that one was just super, like I said, I I, hmm, I don't know, just it was, it was so derivative of like, just yeah. It, it was derivative. To... It tried to have a political message that didn't really work. 
the character wasn't super like sympathetic. Like I couldn't really sympathize with him at all. Well, like, but I, I mean, you, you, in DPO, you said that wasn't important to the plot. It's, it's not, not but it makes it harder, right? Like, cause yeah. you, you know, well, that was my argument leave. in DPO was that it's really hard to, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to like, you don't need that, but it does make it harder to really like, you have to either sympathize or you have to understand their motivation. And I didn't, I mean, I got his motivation, but eh. yeah, he's still killing kids though. If you were just killing the people, you know, I would have gotten it a little better. So yeah, that one wasn't as fun. Plus it had some ableism and some weirdness and just some weird stuff going on and mm-hmm. suicide and ugh. Ugh. Yeah, they kind of like just like what can we they check off? Piled it one? on. Let's it had Willie Garson. Off. Yeah. Willie Garson we, was great. They didn't otherwise. throw any Native American appropriation in. That was weird, <laughs> but yeah. Maybe that got edited out. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> All righty. Well, I I think I'm I think I'm um, I guess I'm not oubli edited because I'm not forgotten. I don't know whatever French <laughs> whatever French is for I'm I'm fini I guess. <laughs> yeah, just sweet fini. <laughs> okay. Fini is another. That's another finir. I think is an irregular verb. The irregular verbs, man. French will kill you. French will kill you. Yeah. That's what lots and lots of people say. <laughs> the French will kill you. Anyway. Well, conjugating the French verbs will kill you. Yeah. Man. I, there were a lot of people killed by the French, though, too. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's probably true. not as much as were killed by they're not French. But anyway, um, I don't know. I wonder who has the bigger death toll, like America or like the British Empire. I mean, America's newer. And so I'm going to say that's. Yeah, disadvantage. but the number, but, but the we did kill a lot of indigenous people pretty yeah. quickly. So well, I was gonna say America's newer, but also I think the death count can be higher because you can kill more people at once. And the British Empire was around for longer, but hmm, yeah, yeah. I don't know those numbers. Yeah, I Honestly, know. I probably don't want to know because it's probably depressing either way. Probably, yeah. Cool. All right. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and edited by Lazy End Productions, also known as Nick. That's right. I made this. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> be sure to join us next time as we rewatch The X-Files, Season 3, Episode 9, Nisei. And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still, still out, out there. there.
and edited by Lazy N Productions, also known as Nick. Uh, you threw me off because you took a little I know, bit of, I know. You, took, you took a little bit of a breath there and I was about to start and then you kept going. I know I heard, I heard. You started <laughs> to talk and I was like, nope, I'm not done. <laughs> Power through. <laughs> and edited by Lazy M Productions, also That's known as Nick. Oh, damn it. Did it. I knew it was coming and I still did it wrong. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Whoops. Let's do it one more time to see if I can, <laughs> if nothing else, to see if I can like wait for my moment. <laughs>